Welcome to Single Parent Success Stories. I am your host, Irina Shehovtsov, and I am on a mission to empower broken-hearted women to break the chains of the past and move forward boldly into the future. Single Parent Success Stories was created to inspire single parents out there who are struggling to help them realize what is possible. How would you like to master your mind to transform your life, overcome anxiety, trauma, doubt, and suffering to win daily and enjoy a life of confidence, peace, and freedom? This is your unique opportunity to work directly one-on-one with me in a breakthrough coaching. If you are interested, you can check out the link below and schedule your 45-minute discovery session to see if we are a fit. Welcome to episode 29. Today's guest is Marjorie Aunos, PhD, a single mom of 11-year-old boy from Montreal, Canada. Marjorie is a single mother by choice, psychologist, inspirational speaker, author, and researcher. She became paraplegic in a car accident when her son was 16 months old. She's a researcher in the field of parenting with disabilities. Her biggest struggles was asking and accepting help as well as keeping her parenting role. Her advice for single parents, asking and accepting help makes you a better parent. It does wonders for your mental and physical health and it is excellent for your children's social development. Listen to this inspiring story from Marjorie Awanos. Hello and welcome to Single Parent Success Stories. Today's guest is Marjorie Aunos, PhD, who is a single mother by choice, a psychologist, an inspirational speaker, an author and researcher from Montreal, Canada. She became paraplegic in a car accident when her son was 16 months old. And ironically, she is still a psychologist and a researcher in the field of parenting with disabilities. So welcome. And Marjorie is from Montreal, Canada. Welcome, Marjorie. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. I'm really excited about this. Yeah. So please share with us your story. How did you become a single mom? What are some of the struggles you faced? Well, I became a single mom at the age of 33. And um, when I was in my 20s, I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a parent. And I started dating an older man. And when, you know, sort of like the desire of having a child came about, he basically told me that he wouldn't want to have another. He had already two children. And so I had to sort of like, I guess, choose in a way. And I had seen like my cousins and like a lot of people in my family who were parents and I could see like all the love and, and the power that it came with that love that was so powerful that I decided that um, becoming a mom was more in line with the goals that I wanted in my life. And so the problem that I had is that I was still in love with my ex-boyfriend. And so I was like, well, how am I supposed to date? How is that gonna work? So finally, um, after discussing with a few people in my life, I decided to do it literally on my own. So I went um, in a fertility clinic and I started the process to um, get pregnant Uh, via uh, insemination. So that's how it started. I felt it was like the best decision for me. And it was the most honest decision for everyone. I didn't want to sort of like 
sort of be in love with someone and have a child um, or sort of like get pregnant, you know, by mistake or whatnot, I felt like I needed to do this. Um, yeah, on my own and very honestly. So that's what I did. And it took a little bit of time to get pregnant. There was a few tests to be done first. Um, but after a year of um, insemination, about eight trials, um, I got pregnant and I was very excited. And then I got really scared actually, because I was like, shit, I really did that. Oh my God, now I have to. <laughs> You must be very brave, you know, doing it all on your own and going through all of this process. Yes, it was very uh, stressful. But you know what? I actually didn't go through it alone. And I think that that's one of like the secret is that it's very difficult to, um, you know, I mean, you know, you're a single parent yourself. I mean, there's so many things to think about and you still have to like have a life. Uh, you still have to earn money. I mean, there's things to be done. And so from the get-go, it was really my decision, but I had sort of rallied my friends and my family to the project. I had, you know, um, scheduled a meeting with my parents and I had explained why. And my dad was raised by his grandparents, but he, he had a single mom and never knew his dad. So like we had that conversation and how are you going to feel, you know, how are you going to support my, my child? Um, and so we had that conversation. Um, all the women in my family, we had sort of a pizza party where um, we looked at, you know, what type of uh, donor would we want, you know, um, um, to, to be sort of like the donor for, for, for this project. And so like everybody knew and everybody was part of it. And when I was going through it, everybody knew as well. So like every month when I was not pregnant, that's the downfall of it. Um, you know, I would get the call. So are you pregnant? And then I would have to say, no, not, not yet. So that was like a bit tough at that moment, but I appreciate all the support that I got from everyone around me. So I was brave, but I, like, I planned my, my thing where it was clear for me that if I didn't have the support of people around me, you know, I'm not sure I would have done it. Wow, it's incredible. I don't think I, I would be able to do it. Yeah. <laughs> what you have gone through is like amazing. Wow. But, but in, the same, in the same time, you have gone through, right? Like, yeah. Yes. Kids and yeah. I, I think for me, um, the decision, because it was mine, in some sense, it's, it's maybe easier because it's sort of like, well, I mean, you sort of asked for it. Right. I did it on my own. So, um, you know, I remember like those classes, like mom and tots, you know, like when you have the baby and you meet with other moms. And I remember all the moms sort of saying like, oh, it's not fair. I had a fight with my husband last night. He came home from work and he didn't want to take care of the baby. But I've been taking care of the baby the whole day and I wanted him to, you know, give me a break. And they were sort of talking like that. And I was like, hmm, I'm doing it all the time. Like I, I don't hand off my babies to someone. I don't have sort of that. But because I didn't have that expectation on somebody else, then it, I think it made it easier for me to sort of accept the challenges because the challenges were part of the journey versus I think someone who expected a partner to be with them um, in the process and then the partner sort of doesn't meet the expectations. 
which then creates a whole bunch of like emotional turmoil, I think. Totally. Uh, it's like when you have a baby, you expect you have two partners coming together in the union and the shared responsibility. And then when reality doesn't match your expectation, you get in trouble, just like you mentioned. And when you don't have that expectation, because you're already doing it, you kind of, you remove a little bit of that struggle. You have less things to worry about. Yes. Well, certainly not that part. So I didn't have to worry about that part because the expectations were not. And so when my family or friends would offer, you know, oh, I'll take him for a few hours, then it was a bonus for me. So it was like very, um, like I was very happy when they did that because it, it obviously helped me. But there was like no expectation. I didn't expect my my friends, for example, to take care of the baby every weekend or whatnot. So it was just like a happy surprise when they they offered. And yeah, awesome, awesome. So once you become a single parent. When you had the baby, what some of the things that you faced, any struggles that you faced that you want to share? So he was 16 months old when um, I had the car accident. And I have to say, and that's like another advice that I would give maybe, is expect the unexpected. Because obviously I never expected me to um, get into a physical disability. So basically my physical disability, I have a spinal cord injury and anything below my armpits I do not feel or I can't move. So there's no like connection in terms of the communication between my brain and like my toes. So I can't walk. Um, I have issues in terms of like, I don't control my bladder or my bowels. So I have to do that on regular times. And so I had planned literally for everything except that. So like my, my will and testament was like ready if I died, there was a life insurance. I mean, he was covered for all of this, right? I had decided who was going to support him. You know, it was it was planned. And the only thing I don't plan is the thing that happens to me, which is long-term disability, which then created a lot of like dif difficulties in terms of work. Then I had like mental health issues because um, it was like really tough. I was like, you know, obviously a single parent by choice is someone who's sort of like go-getter type A and that was like definitely me so all of a sudden I was like oh now I need help oh no now I need to slow down oh no that's not good and so it was sort of like shit now what do I do and so certainly like you know that advice of like expect the unexpected is definitely that um because for six months I was in rehabilitation or in the hospital, uh, basically learning how to take care of myself again. And so I needed someone to take care of Thomas during that time, but someone who would not like, who would close enough to me that I could stay his parent because that was sort of the issue. Um, and I was lucky to have parents who did that for me and for him. And they never like uh, tried to take my role away, they just, supported me and supported him during that uh, rehabilitation that I had to go through. What are some of the, hey, God, in terms of parenting and the fact that you had to rehabilitate yourself, but was there anything that you faced, you know, the fact that you are a single parent dealing with tantrums or dealing with teachings and do, do you do homeschooling or do, do, does he go to regular school? Yeah, I did homeschooling this year because of COVID. That was a challenge. 
Um, except that he's 10. So the challenge lasted a few months until like we got things going and then um, it actually made him grow significantly, I have to say, in maturity. Um, but you were talking about tantrum and I could tell you, oh my God, did I have temper tantrum? I had like the, what do we say? Terrible twos. So I had about four years of like really hard struggle in terms of behaviors. I think he was reacted to the fact that I was, you know, that I had the accident. It was the first time that we had been separated, right? He had never been away from me before the accident. Um, my parents were there. So there was like sort of sometimes three adults. So he, he knew how to negotiate between the three or tried anyways. And the temper tantrums, well, you know, I remember going bath time. <laughs> that was a struggle. He didn't want to go into the bath. Um, and so he would run and go to the only place I could not go, which was under the table. And there was like no way I could get there. And um, so I had to find ways to outsmart him. That's basically what I had to do because he was definitely smarter than me. But I had to be strategic in everything that I did. And so, you know, things I used, for example, for bath, I used like bubbles. He loved bubbles like a lot of like kids so I would go, oh, I'm going to play with bubbles. Who's going to play with me? And, you know, then because it was fun um, and we weren't in that, you know, struggle type of relationship, then he would come out and he would actually go into the bath because we would have fun with it. But yeah, it was always sort of like, oh, I need to be one step ahead. But definitely he was one step ahead and I had to sort of play catch up most of the time. I love it. So you're using like play therapy or making it fun like instead yes. of <laughs> enforcing anything. Exactly. I couldn't enforce. And he knew that, you know, like um, if I was standing up, I'm sure I would have like gone on, on my knees, grabbed him, potentially, you know, um, do a physical type of intervention. But in my case, I couldn't. And Thomas figured out pretty rapidly that he could actually overpower me physically. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, cause I mean, if I don't have any feelings, you know, below my armpits, it means that in terms of like balance, I don't have great balance. I need my arms. So if I'm like using one arm, I need the other arm on my wheel to holding me or else I could fall. And so he knew that and he knew that he could outrun me and he knew that. Um, so I needed to find ways not physical to get his attention or to get him to comply. Yeah. I love that. Do you have any other tips you can share about, you know, instead of using physical, using kind of mental and play stuff for yeah. any situations? Oh, yeah. One of the things that I used to say to Thomas was um, that him and I are a team. And so when he was little and we would go someplace and it was just the two of us, I would say to Thomas, remember, we're a team and a team need to work together. And so when we get there, and then I would explain to him exactly what would happen. So when we get there, um, you stay in the car. Mommy is going to like go out and, and into her chair. She's going to close her doors. She's going to come around. Then you can come out when you see mommy on the other side. And so I would explain to him pretty much all the steps uh, that we would go through. And I would remind him that... Um, if we work as a team, we can do these things. But if I feel that we're not a team, then it's unsafe for him and unsafe for me. And that would mean that we can't do these things. And I would be very, very honest with him in terms of that. 
Um, so I really used sort of like his, his thinking and rationale to, you know, to try to have him like on my, on my side, basically, or on our side. Um, so that was something that really worked well with him. And he sort of understood and he knew I was honest with him. Like, you know, mom can't chase after you, but I need to make sure you're safe. So how are we going to do that? And sometimes I would ask him the question actually. Um, and even if he was like, well, at two, it didn't really work, but as soon as he got like to three, four, I could start sort of, you know, bringing those concepts forward. You know, even at three years old, kids understand the concept of team. Um, and um, after that, I mean, we just built from that. And, and even to now, he's going to be 11 and we still, you know, um, say we're a team and we work together. I love it. So you're going to set expectations. For him yes. like first look at laying out the plan this is what we're gonna do so they're not surprised and they kind of build a picture in their head yeah. what are the expectations this is what we're doing exactly. by hour by minute so it's yes. like all laid out i love that if you had an opportunity to change anything about your life would you do it do you like where you are today you know for the longest time um i've had my accident about 10 years ago um, and for the longest time, and I would say the longest time, like pro probably till last year, um, I wish the accident hadn't happened. Obviously, I wish I had my legs. And I think that that will never totally go away. But having said that, I, I feel like my disability actually made me a better parent for Thomas. I'm someone who does things like very head on, fast, I'm quick, I'm efficient. Um, and not to say that my son is not efficient, he is, but he's so much like mellower. You know, he takes his time and he needs to think about things. And so being in a wheelchair, I had to slow down my whole life. I had to like start to breathe for myself and I had to sort of really focus on the self-care and, um, you know, meditation, mindfulness, being aware of like what's happening. Um, and that has made me more like Thomas's speed. And so we could sort of join there in the middle from me before and then him. Um, and I think that that's pretty powerful. And, you know, I also see the impact it had on my child, on Thomas. He's like certainly more creative um, or he definitely has a creative side always looking for solutions because that's what we do uh, since I've had the, the accident. Um, he's also like his sense of fairness and justice is very strong. So when I, I look at the impact that it had on him, then no, I wouldn't change anything. You know, maybe the one thing that I would do is take that box, you know, to get insurance. If I were to get a lifelong uh, disability, that's the only thing, everything else would be, uh, I keep the same. Yeah, yeah, I love this. Thank you, thank you. What are some of the uh, current projects that you are working on? Actually, it's very exciting for me. I've been, uh, since my accident, because I had to process all those emotions, it was um, very, very difficult and very challenges, uh, challenging. And there were times that it was very, very dark. And so in those moments, uh, one of the things that I used to do was write 
and I would have my iPad or something and I would just like type and write and I could do that in the middle of the night or while I was waiting for my physio or, or whatever I was doing. And um, yeah, I a few years ago, a friend of mine said, you know, maybe you should take all of those things that you've written over the years and sort of make it into a book. And so that's the exciting pro project that I'm doing uh, currently. So I have an editor and uh, we're like remodeling basically what I've been writing in the last 10 years. And, um, you know, it's a book type of lessons learned uh, through disability, through single parenthood. Um, and the lessons that I would be sharing are basically sharing sharing those with other single parents and maybe parents who have a disability or um, illness. I mean, a lot of, you know, parents could have like cancer and we hope not, but you know, these things do happen. Um, and so when they do, you know, I just wanted to share a little bit my story and maybe um, provide hope for some parents who might go through something difficult. I am excited. I love it. What what do you want to be remembered by? Yeah, I would say, which is interesting because I've all those years, a lot of my friends kept saying like, oh, you're so brave. And I would say, nah, I'm not brave. I, I just love my son so much. Um, and that's why I, you know, was able to go above and beyond, you know, uh, my own strength. And um you asked me that question and the, the one answer that I want to give is I, I would like to be remembered as someone who's brave. So it's quite uh, ironic in a way. Um, someone who's brave, but very loving at the same time. So both sort of like a strength that sort of like, you know, will make you grunt and work hard, but in the same time, a strength that brings a lot of love and kindness as well, because really all my life is about loving Thomas, um, you know, and just being with him. Yes, yes. I think you are brave already, given your history and things you overcome and, you know, still going for it, have the enthusiasm about you. That's yes. very infectious. And uh, another question I want to ask you, what is, do you think is the most important trait to instill in a child? Oh, well, I would say... Um, resilience and resilience could like be a lot of things but i would say it's adaptability uh, so that part of resilience where you know um, in life everyone will have struggles i mean there's not one person who has a perfect life from like birth to to death it, you know things happen in life that's that's what it is that's life and so if from a young age we teach our kids to you know, face our struggle head on and, you know, um, um, take that as a challenge, not as like, oh no, another problem, or uh, I'll never be able to do it. Um, to me, it's sort of like teach them, you know, when struggles come along your way, you find solutions to go over, under, you know, on the side, whatever. Um, I have a great painting or drawing that i did a few years back, which is basically a brick wall. And it's, you know, when you're faced with a brick wall and you can't go forward, you find other ways. And so in my drawing, I have sort of like this beautiful plant 
that's growing on top of the brick wall and that's going over and that's going, you know, over and on the sides and, and everywhere. And to me, that's the image of sort of, you know, when you have a brick wall, you find a way if you really want to. And if you don't, then you find another path. That's okay too. It could be that. But for, for Thomas, I would say that it's definitely um, being able to adapt that I'm trying to teach him the most. Yeah. Can you share one example of the adaptability, like how you teach it? Yeah, well, um, you know, sometimes um, he'll go like, oh, I can't do it. And I'll go first, like, well, one, if you're saying that you are, you won't be able to do it, for sure, you won't be able to do it. So um, let's try to change the, the wording of the sentence. Um, and so that's when, you know, we'll work on the sentence and he'll say, okay, I'll do it but I'll need this or I'll need support or I'll need to practice. And so we try to find sort of what then he needs to be able to do it. Um, and that's a little bit my way of, of teaching creativity, uh, which then, you know, is used to, um, to adapt basically and sort of changing the wording in terms of like the, the affirmations, you know, like we, if you can do it, you state it, and you state, you know, it's okay to state, um, I'm going to do it, but it's going to take six months. That's fine too. Um, you know, or I'm going to do it if I have like support and that's okay too. So it's really finding that, um, those supports that we could put in place. Thank you. That's a great example. What kind of advice can you share with single parents who are just starting on their journey? Well, actually, um, I knew you were going to ask that question. So I had sort of put um, my ideas and originally I wanted to give only one but I have five and I couldn't pick Go ahead. and so I said a few of them um, you know at the beginning so I would say the first one expect the unexpected because you never know but what that does when you expect the unexpected is that it gives you a really heavy mental charge and so the next two advice are to actually be able to maintain that charge um, or like hold it and that is you can't do it alone so that means you know have a team have support um, people friends family if you don't have you know a family you use your friends um, or community organizations you know like there's different resources that you can get in terms of community but certainly like find or build that community not only around you but around your child um, and that also means to prioritize self-care. So I've learned the, the hard way because of the spinal cord injury. For example, I don't control my bladder. Um, and if I have an accident and incontinence and I get wet, I'm at risk of having um, bed sores type of, because I'm always sitting. And so I had to learn, you know, to sort of say, I need to go to the bathroom. And so, you know, if Thomas has a need at that time, he has to learn, he had to learn to wait basically. But I knew that if I didn't prioritize my own self-care, we would probably be in a bigger problem later on. Because if I had a bed sore, that would mean that for months I would stay in bed, which is not great to parent from a bed. So prioritize self-care, I think is very like essential. And then I will say, let go and just breathe because you know what you'll never be the best parent <laughs> like 
perfection. I was holding on to that. I had my idea, my expectations of what, you know, a mom would be. And I had to just like go because it, you know, my life as a parent looks totally differently than what I had expected. Um, and so I think sometimes we have to let go of those um, expectations. And then the last one, the fifth one is time is all we have. And so sometimes it's just like, ugh, just like drop everything and go play, go play with your kids. You know, they're going to keep you grounded and uh, time flies with kids. So, you know, it's, uh, it's fun to be reminded of playing the importance of play. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I love that those advices, especially, you know, asking for help. And I recently had to learn it for myself. I dislocated my knee. And I was alone with my kids, and for about three hours, I hesitated. I didn't want to call an ambulance. I thought, what's the big deal? It's not, it's not a big deal. <laughs> and then the realization came, if I don't ask, nobody's going to come help me. Nobody's going to come lift me up. So I finally called, and I learned that lesson that asking for help is okay. It's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of confidence or, you know, you're not weak for asking for help. You are just recognizing the fact that you need help and voicing your opinion. And another point that you also made about self-care, I think if we don't take care of ourselves first, we are not showing up as the best version of ourselves. Yes, so. exactly. And we're not teaching our kids um, the right thing either because, I mean, if we were all to, you know, share, we would all say, oh, yeah, I want my kid to, like, take care of themselves. Well, they only learn by watching us. So if we don't show how we take care of ourselves, our kids won't learn. And so they'll grow into adults who have issues taking care of themselves. And we're just, you know, perpetuating the cycle of, of yeah. And I also love the cycle about time, that time is all we have. We'll get the same 24 hours in a day and that's how we choose to spend that time. And sometimes kids can come in an opportune moments and ask for your attention. And sometimes you just need to drop stuff. And That's right. You know, <laughs> and that's something we've learned with COVID, with Thomas being home all the time. Um, you know, he would sometimes come and he needed sort of a playmate, right? Because he didn't have any. And it was like, okay. You know, it's lunchtime, I'll be playmate. And so I had to drop everything, no matter what I was doing. And I had to dedicate that time for him, because he needed that. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, being confined for over 18 months is, is quite challenging at times. And so sometimes he just needed a hug, right? He'll never do it in public. And he'll deny it, obviously, if I now that I've said it in public. But just in case he wanted a hug for sure you know it was sort of like drop and give the hug because that's what he needs at that moment yeah yeah thank you thank you I love that love all those advices and if people would love to find you or connect with you more do you want to share your uh, website or your uh, Facebook handle or Instagram yes so I was um, baptized Ninja Marge um, after my accident by a friend of mine. And so uh, my Twitter, um, Instagram, and Facebook page are all Ninja Marge. So um, they can reach me like that. And, and I hope that I, I meet uh, other parents. And um, yes, I'm very excited. 
Thank you so much. I love talking to you. And I think the journey that you overcome is incredible. And you have a very uh, high called fitting title, Ninja March. Yes. Yeah, my friend just said, you know, after the accident, he said, oh, I don't know. You need to have like something, you know, to make you go. Hur. And that's his, the, the name that he found. And I think it's quite telling. So Thomas calls me actually Wonder Real Woman. Uh, mm -hmm. which I also like I think it's pretty cool. yeah yeah so thank you thank you March so much for coming for sharing your advice for sharing your story I really appreciate you coming on here thank you thank you so much for having me it's been great it was a wonderful conversation if you like this episode please share with somebody who would benefit. You can leave comments, topic suggestions, and add your reviews on Apple Podcasts. It also helps greatly when you download the episode. If you feel lost, emotionally hurt after divorce and want to rediscover who you are, you don't have to do it alone. Join our community on Facebook, Limitless Women, Self-Love, Mindset and Support for Relationships, where we hold trainings and various events to help you thrive and become happy again. Because life after divorce is possible and can even be great. If no one told you today, I want you to know that I love you and believe in you, because you are limitless.